45 says, I will exalt you, my God, my King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise, and no one can measure his greatness.
Father, we thank you and we invite you here as we sing about your goodness and your faithfulness and the price that you paid at Calvary. Sing it out. Thine all in me. 
it out. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Let's sing it one more time. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. You can have a seat. Good morning on this beautiful Camarillo morning. Such a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you, worship team, for that. That was awesome. We have a special morning to get to. Before I get there, I want to remind you something that we unveiled last week. Um, you can participate this month with us. We are doing it all month long called Kindness Kits. We know that we are all concerned about the homeless issue in our area across California, really across the west coast of the United States. Uh, and uh, we're going to do something about it. So uh, if you look on the screen right now, you'll see that. You can click that QR code. It'll take you to our website, and you can even go to an uh, Amazon wish list. We are collecting items all month long, and at the very end of the month, we're going to put them together in these little bags. We're going to take those bags, give them to our peace officers in our community, give them to the rescue, ministry, rescue mission here in uh, Oxnard, and we might even take some ourselves. And whenever we see somebody who is struggling with homelessness, we're going to give those packs out. And so that's a way for you to be involved with us, for you to make a difference this month. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, I know many of you would want to do something outside of yourselves to do that. So with that right now, I don't see enough phones out. Take the phone. Uh, make that thing bigger. Take me off the screen and make it bigger so people can get that QR code. Okay, it's just me. Okay, there we go. Uh, and so uh, click on that and uh, go to our website scroll down, go to the Amazon wish list. It's there for you. Literally, you buy it. It ships to your house if you have Prime tomorrow, and then you bring it next Sunday. Uh, we'll stack them up at the end of the month. We will make these kindness kits, and we will give them out this month. Now, I must say this because I'll get in trouble if I don't. There's going to be a little lady out in the patio today wearing a big uh, turkey suit, and she bought a shirt that says, talk to me about turkeys. <laughs> or something like that, all right? She is collecting turkeys. She's my beautiful wife, and we are collecting turkeys and turkey breasts and chickens, uh, not live ones, uh, dead ones, and uh, we are going <laughs> to, yeah. Um, then we're going to give them out to our pantry. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, we try to mention as much, much as possible. Uh, lately, we've been serving about 173 families. Two weeks ago, last week, it was 167 families a week in our pantry that's right downtown. So there's a way for you to give hope and to give, uh, to be thankful during the season, to give turkeys. I know people already brought them. We have like coolers full of turkeys. We want to get as many turkeys out as possible. Here's the thing. If you guys don't buy turkeys, I'm going to have to buy the turkeys. That's my wife will do that to me. So please help me. If you love the Hurtado family, you will help us out. Get turkeys, get chickens, and, and turkey breasts, all that we need. There's a way for you to be involved, a way for you to make a difference this month here at Camarillo Community Camp CC. So make sure you're part of that. Now, without all that being said, 
uh, I have a very, very special privilege. This week, our team was in Arizona. Um, uh, we are part of an association of churches across the United States, about 1,600 of us called Converge. There was a conference in, in Arizona, and so I was there with our team. There's about 1,300 leaders there. Awesome conference, but uh, it enabled me to go by being able to have a guest speaker come and speak today so I didn't have to worry about prep while I'm down there. This particular individual is an amazing human being, really, really, really theologically intelligent. If you think I'm theologically intelligent, take me and multiply times 10. I'll give you an example. Uh, you guys remember several years ago we were going through the book of Mark, and a couple years ago we were going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Usually when we do those type of things, I'm translating Mark, 1 Corinthians, and then I'm reading about seven or eight different commentaries to uh, study and know that passage. There was a couple times, once in Mark and once in 1 Corinthians, where I had translated, diagrammed, and studied, and read, and I still had questions. Do you know who I call? That guy. <laughs> and, and, and he knows the answers to everything. It's amazing. And, and here's the thing. Here's the beautiful thing about all this. If you have any problem with what I say, don't blame me. Blame him. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, but this is like a mentor friend of mine. He comes from one of the churches in our tribe, uh, which is Converge, out in Santa Clarita Grace Baptist Church. And so what I need you to do, once the bumper's done and he's up here, I need you to give him a warm Cam CC welcome. Uh, this is going to be, after the bumper, you're going to see him, is his Dr. David Haig, amazing friend, great mentor, and really a pastor to pastors. So we'll watch the video, and then you guys give him a round of applause, all right? I just got to tell you, after hearing that, I can hardly wait to hear myself talk. You know what I mean? That, that's uh, something. Well, it's great to be with you guys. We've heard a lot about Camarillo community, mostly from Dave and Kenny that we've gotten to know. Uh, I brought my executive pastor as well, Jill. Uh, Keller's with me. They don't let me go anywhere alone just in case I would say something bad. So. But I've gotten to know David. Uh, you know what? He's a good friend. He's a really good Bible teacher. You guys are very, you're blessed. We have a little thing we say at Grace Baptist that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to do the work of God in our lives. And so it's been wonderful to sing. You guys have some amazing musicians. And that just prepares our hearts, I hope, to go to God's Word. And today, I'm going to do something I've never done before. And I'm going to preach you through two chapters in the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, uh, on whatever form they are, go ahead and open those, and uh, it'd be great if you followed along. If not, I'll read it, and I'll try and explain what's going on. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe as a Christ follower, or maybe just yeah, even before you came to Christ, or maybe some of you here are still wondering whether or not following Christ is, is you know, the best thing for you. Have you ever been in a place where you just felt kind of spiritually fatigued? That, you know, you, you just woke up in the morning and you realize, you know what, I haven't read my Bible for a while. And even if I did, it was just I read it to, you know, check the boxes of my Bible reading plan. And, and I haven't looked at my prayer list. You know, they say you don't want to be listless in your praying. So we all have these lists, right? But we don't look at them. And if you're careful uh, and being very insightful in your own life, you go, you know what, 
I go to church and I, I sing these songs and the, the singers up here are really connecting with the Lord and they're talking about engaging with him and how he's all I need and he's never going to fail me. And I, I sing it, but somewhere down here I just don't, don't feel it. Well, you might be amazed to know that that happens to pastors as well. In fact, 2 Timothy is written by Paul to a man that he had left in Ephesus to kind of pastor the church. When I'm in our place, I say he's, ba he's pastoring Grace Baptist Church in Ephesus. And he's there, and he is there for several years before he receives this second letter that Paul writes to him. We, we know there's 1 Timothy and 2. 1 Timothy was written to Timothy when he'd only been in Ephesus a little while. I, I tell people it's like he was a brand new seminary graduate. In fact, I like to tell people that they should have hired me when I was right out of seminary because then I knew everything, right? And so Timothy knows everything, and 1 Timothy is all about here, have elders and make sure you get the men and the women in the right situations and watch out for the widows, take care of them, and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's really pumping away. But by the time we get to 2 Timothy, which is probably around six years later, we find that he is spiritually fatigued. Just follow along with me if you can in, in chapter 1. In verse 3, Paul says, I, I thank God, whom I serve with my ancestors as a, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears and long to see you. In verse 5, I'm reminded of your faith. He says, Timothy, I know that you're a Christ follower. You've, you've lived it out. You understand it. You teach it. You're pastoring. But he says, for this reason, in verse 6, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, if you were a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout or you just went camping with your family, you know that you're starting to make a fire and it's just not going anywhere. And then it goes and then it dies down and before you're, if you're not careful, you've got to go and you've got to fan it into flame. So what is Paul saying to Timothy? You need to fan it into flame is really another way of saying, look, you are almost burned out. The flame of your delight in Christ, of your joy in Christ, seems really to be almost out, fanned into flame. And then he goes further and he says in verse 8, or he says, verse 7, God gave us not the spirit of fear. So we add that. You don't tell somebody God didn't give you this spirit of fear unless they're what? Fearful, right. So his, his, his passion is burning down. He's afraid of something. And now we find what it is, verse 8, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner. So it, it, as a pastor, as a man of God, his passion is, is being burning away because he's, he's afraid, and it turns out that what he's ashamed of is really the testimony of Christ. You ever feel that way? We live in a society right now where it's getting more and more dangerous to say, hey, I am a Christ follower. Just ask Mike Johnson. Our new speaker of the house, right? You guys, do you know politics at all? Okay. Yeah, he says, he says the Bible is my worldview. And he's getting crushed for it. Well, similar situation probably in Ephesus. It was a pagan city. And as Timothy was there leading this small fledgling church, he's spreading the gospel. He's saying Jesus is real. He's the Messiah. He rose from the dead. And he's back on our heels now. And then the last thing, and don't be afraid, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering 
for the gospel by the power of God. In every chapter of this book, Paul talks about suffering. And that's something we don't know much about as, as Christians here in the West. I was in Boston not long ago, and my wife and I were sitting on a little, a little patio on the sidewalk eating a breakfast in downtown Boston. It was a beautiful day in July, and our waiter came. He's from Romania. Great big guy. Looked like one of those Romanian weightlifters. So I was being really good to him. And I, I asked him, you know, how, how long have you been in the States? And he said, oh, about six years. And I said, what have you learned? And he said, you people here, you think life is always supposed to be good. And I said, well, duh, right? I mean, I follow Jesus. Everything's supposed to work out, right? No more tears, no more sorrow, no more, no more worries about tomorrow. You're going to love your new life with the Lord. That was a song I sang when I was in college. And yet we find out, don't we, that life is full of adversity, and God uses it. And for some reason, when, uh, when we're ashamed a little bit of the gospel, not ashamed of it, but just we're, we're a little fearful, and it's because we don't want people to pick on us. So what does Paul do with Timothy? He doesn't tell him to take a sabbatical. He doesn't tell him, uh, David, you'll like this, to read a Eugene Peterson book or something like that. He doesn't tell him to take a vacation. He actually gives him a short course on the gospel. Look what it says. Don't, uh, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, verse 8, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And then he says, here, here's the gospel, by the way. There's gospel before time, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Now, I don't know how to figure that out. I just know that I was loved long before I was. I take great comfort in that. And then he says, and it's also gospel now, grace now, which was now manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, the, the one we've been singing about, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now he says, okay, fan the flame, don't be fearful, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid to suffer. So what's he do next? Well, he says, in chapter 2, I want to tell you how to be strengthened. We all need this. Chapter 2, verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, he gives four models, four um, illustrations. It's almost like this is a sermon, and every good sermon, after the people get a little sleepy like you are right now, the pastor gives an illustration. And here he gives three of them, and then the big one is number four. He said, first of all, verse three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the first idea is a soldier, and a soldier gets drafted, and he comes in, and he basically says, I can't do everything I used to do because I now belong to the general. I belong to the, the commander. So what he's telling Timothy is, you know, the thing about the soldier's life is focus. We just sang a bunch of songs about how we're here for Jesus, and we're on our knees before him, and he's all we need. I just want to ask you, do you believe that? 
Is your focus on Jesus? Is your focus on Jesus on Monday? Turns out Timothy needed that. I remember Mary and Martha when Jesus and the boys stopped for lunch, right? And uh, he's in the living room with his boys, and Martha's in the kitchen cooking. Where's Mary? Mary's sitting right in front of him, taking it all in. As a Jewish woman, the opportunity to sit with one of the foremost teachers of the time was a great opportunity, and she's there, and, and Martha comes out and says, Jesus, come on. Would you tell her to come in and help me? I've got to feed all of you. And so what does Jesus do? Martha, Martha, Martha. I thought that was a pretty good impression. Come on. <laughs> Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only one is necessary. Now, it doesn't tell us what the one is, but it's like, don't worry about it. The soup, just one thing. But that applies to our lives. A soldier is worried about one thing. What do you think the uh, IDF, right, is IDF right now is worried about? One thing. Getting the mission done and returning home alive, right? That's the Israeli defense people. Paul tells Timothy, you're too scattered. I find that in my life. I'm too scattered sometimes. That's why I need a time every morning where I dig into the God's Word. And I don't just read the Bible. I'm going to give you this little tip, if it helps. Don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. And that may mean that you need to take it slower. One chapter at a time, one psalm at a time, and, and let it read you. Let it ask questions of you. I find it's very helpful to pray through a psalm or pray through some of the Proverbs where it makes a statement and then I say, Lord, is that true of me? Or if I know it's not, I say, Lord, help me to understand this. Help me to live today like a soldier with focus. Then he said the second thing is, he says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So if the farmer is telling Timothy, look, you've got to be focused. You're too spread out in things that really don't matter. The second thing he tells him is, You've got you to do it according to the rules. So the athlete, the model here is about integrity. Now, I don't know what he's asking Timothy, but it appears that Timothy has shaved some of the edges off of his integrity because he's ashamed. And so Paul isn't directly touching that little sore, but he's saying, you know what? You need to understand you're only going to win if you, if you keep your integrity intact. Right now we're having a problem in Santa Clarita in the schools where there's a regulation that if a, a child comes and uh, decides that they want to go by a different gender, different name, whatever, the, the school can't tell the parents. And we're having this uh, battle in the school district, and there's a meeting on Wednesday night that I'm going to go to, along with probably 2,000 other people, quite frankly. And we're going to ask that the school district not shave the edges off of the parental integrity that we have, that children are given to the parents. Every once in a while, I understand what it's like to want to not say something. And here Paul is saying to Timothy, you know what? If you're going to win, if you're going to claim the prize, you've got to have integrity. You've got to compete according to the rules. Thirdly, the hardworking farmer. Now, the thing about a farmer is that he, he, is, he both has hope because, you know, I'm not a farmer. Um, but I like to grow tomatoes. Anybody else grow tomatoes in this Yes, 
I like the cherry tomatoes. They're easier to grow. But the great big honking ones are better on hamburgers, right? So I, I plant my, and I plant them in pots, and I have my drip system, and, and here's what happens. You, I, I, I cheat. I go and buy little plants. I don't just start with a seed. I know that's probably cheating, but that's what I do. And I put it there, and I water it, and I fertilize it, and I hope that the lizards don't eat it. I, I hope that the cat from next door doesn't come and get it. I put things over it to keep that from happening. But anytime you try to raise something, you're saying, I'm starting, and I am hoping that two months, three months, four months down the line, I'm going to get something. He's saying, Timothy, that's the way the Christian life is. The Christian life, especially in service and ministry, is not about instant gratification. We get some of that when we gather in this room as an embassy of heaven, right? We're citizens of heaven, but we're here on earth. We're in the embassy. We're here, we're here meeting and, and loving and learning and growing, and, and we're with people who share Jesus Christ with us. But when we go out there, sometimes it looks like we're losing. We've got to have hope. We understand that Jesus is going to win. I've read the end of the book. And he's going to win souls now. So he gives those three uh, models. And then he gives the big one in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. And notice what he emphasizes. Risen from the dead. We talk a lot about the cross. And we sang about it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And that's very true. But if you read the, the book of Acts. In the first several chapters. You'll find that the, the center of the gospel message. For the apostles. Was the empty tomb. The granddaddy of all miracles, the demonstration that he was not just a man, that he was God, the God-man, God the Son incarnate. So if we skip all the way over to verse 20 of chapter 2, we finally get to the, I told you all that to tell you this, okay? You ready for another illustration? Sure. Somebody's awake out there. Thank you. He says, now, and just to recap, Timothy's struggling. Paul knows it. He says, you've got to be strong. You, you've got to understand the gospel so you're not ashamed of it. You've got to be ready to suffer if need be. And ultimately, you just rely on the one who has risen from the dead and has given you new life, has put his spirit within you, he's given you the word, he's given you the church, and he wins in the end. So don't duck down behind your sadness. Don't duck down behind your shame. You know what? Get out there and do what you're supposed to do. Now... He goes to the verse 20 and he gives us a, an illustration. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. You get it, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet there are, are some families here that are just like ours. Mostly, I would say, some wives who are here that are just like mine. My wife loves dishes. So we put away the summer dishes and we got out the fall dishes. We just put away the fall dishes and got out the Thanksgiving dishes. Yes, right? And the lady with the turkey suit would like our dishes. And when those go away, we're going to get out the Christmas dishes. When Christmas is over, we get out the winter dishes. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. My wife's love dishes. And not only that, but we have the cups and the bowls to go with the dishes and da -da 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 -da, silverware. <laughs> not a 
not as many types, but several. Some that can't go in the dishwasher. Huh? If you ask my wife, how, how come David knows about this? She'll go, well, I got him as a puppy. Okay, and I trained him. And he now understands there are certain dishes. But there are also dishes that I get to use to go out and pick my tomatoes. Right? There are dishes I get to use uh, to go out when I have to empty the fountain that we have that gets all muddy and there are certain dishes I can use for that. And if we had a dog, there's a dish I could use to feed the dog, but we don't have a dog. And I hate to hurt, you know, hurt the feelings of you dog people, but when I first came to Grace Baptist and they had a Q&A, they said, dog or cat? And I, I said, who would want a dog? And 2,000 people hated me right away. <laughs> I don't have a cat either. No, I have books. Those are my pets. So Paul is saying, look, anybody can be useful, though. Anybody can be honorable, whether you're made out of gold and silver or wood and clay, whether you're a, an honorable vessel that you use to serve company and serve the king, or whether you're a vessel and you look at yourself and you go, what, I don't, I don't have any gifts, I don't sing, I don't play, I can't preach, I can't teach, I don't know how to run a camera, I don't know how to turn the knobs so that the mic works, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to teach third grade, I, don't, I can't do anything. All the way from that person to the David Hurtados of the world, Right? Gold and silver, wood, clay. He says in verse 21, I'm not really talking about dishes. He says, if anyone, anyone, cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. So here he's turned the corner. He's been talking to David about what he needs to do to get back on the horse, to get back up on the wave. But now he says, the whole goal, please get this, the whole goal of delighting in Christ is so he can work through you. So you can be a vessel for him. He saved us. See, this is the problem with a lot of us Western Christians, and I, I've gone through this early in life. I thought God saved me for me, right? In fact, there's a lot of that kind of theology and, and speaking and singing that says, you know, I am the center of God's attention. He saved me. He loves me. He keeps me. He, he helps me. Me, 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 me. But Paul is working up to something that hits us flat in the face. He says, if anybody, anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, First of all, he says, set apart as holy. That's the cleansing thing. By the way, what's holiness? That's a word that we use a lot. And I grew up in a place and in a, a house. My dad's a pastor. He was. Now he's sitting at Jesus' feet with my mom. And I thought growing up, because I was in a very orderly command, rules, regulations setting. And I grew up, I don't know if my dad really taught this, but I grew up thinking that holiness is what you don't do. Right? It's not doing this. To be holy, it means to not sin. You don't smoke, you don't chew, you don't go with girls that do, and there's a whole bunch of other things. You don't dance, 
Um, you don't do all kinds of stuff. And so I kind of, I, I kind of thought that what holiness is, is not sinning. That I, all the things I don't do. But if we really take the Bible at its word, when go back to the Old Testament, all of those utensils that were made for the temple were holy because they were set apart for God. Holiness is actually more and most about being for God, delighting in Him, pursuing Him. And here's what happens. When you come to see how great it is to obey the Lord Jesus, to obey His words and His ways, and you, you craft your marriage around the way that He wants us to put one another before each, ourselves, to look out for others rather than ourselves, when we put our neighbors ahead of ourselves, when we're doing those things, what we find is that he rewards us with delight and with usefulness. That's the next thing. Set apart as holy. He says, Timothy, here's, here should be your goal. Useful to the master of the house. Let me pick on another Christian thing that I think we've gotten all wrong. And that's that we do things for the Lord. We go to church. We go on mission trips. We we bring turkeys, we do all these things, and in the back of our minds we're hoping, okay Lord, I, I need a little something now, right? It's like God pays on commission. If I do enough, then I get some. And here's the problem with thinking that the purpose of obedience is to be blessed. Here's why. And I've sat with way, way too many people who've said, you know, Pastor, Although in our church, most everybody calls me David. You know what? I, I've been walking with Christ for 30 years, and I read my Bible, I give money, I went on a mission trip, I, I do all these things, and my wife still got cancer. Or I still lost my job. We're dealing with a, a lady now who went through a university where Joe and I both teach, Master's University, and went through Awana. She was a citation award winner. Um, she went to the university. She starred in the music department. She got her teaching credential. She went out into the world. And then her mom had a five-year bout with cancer. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal her mom. And guess what? Her mom died. I did her funeral here about, I don't know, eight years ago. And that girl now, a lady, grown, she's an apostate. She's decided there is no God. Because if there is a God and he let my mom die, he's not the kind of God I would want. And that's the whole problem of evil, which is the greatest questioning thing amongst unbelievers. If God is good, why is there evil? And without going into it, I'll let the resident theologian, David Hurtado, tell you all about that. I do have an answer, but the point of my illustration is, is that if you're, just, if you're just desiring to be blessed, at some point in your life, you'll realize God works through adversity in ways that he can't work through prosperity. Right? And I've, I've met with people. I've gone through it myself. And while I wouldn't want to go through it again, I have to tell you, the things I learned, the dependence I found in Christ, 
the joy I found in the prayers and the support of those people around me is something I never would have understood and never could have benefited from had it not been that God decided to bless me, if you will, with adversity. And so I, I've changed my goals in life. I, I don't say, Lord, bless me. By the way, Ephesians 1 tells me I've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realm. So my, my future is secure. He has worked everything out perfectly to bring me into his family. He's going to work everything out perfectly to keep me in his family. And at some point, if I'm alive when he comes, he's going to take me to be with him. And if I'm not alive, guess what? When he comes, he's still going to take me to be with him. And nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Given that, getting a raise or finding a good deal on a used car doesn't seem that great. But here's what does. Being useful. Being useful to the master, and then how do you do that? You're ready for every good work. Now, I made a big mistake at Grace Baptist several months ago. I was talking about this verse. That verse right there, verse 21, was our verse of the year last year. And uh, I was always talking about being ready for every good work, and I used a football illustration, and I centered it towards the men. I said, now guys, you know. And I got a number of females to come up after me and say, we watch football, so I'm not going to make that mistake here because I know a lot of these ladies, you, I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not sorry. Bring it on. But I do know that in high school I played defensive back. And I had to be ready, right? If that wide receiver was going to come and do a curl, if he was going to do a sideline and up, I had to be ready, right? And if you're a mom, you know you have to be ready. You take your kids to Costco. You have to be ready, right, for whatever they're going to grab, what, depending on... Uh, and you know you can't spank him in public, so you got to figure out what to do. you got to be ready. Here's what I find. I don't think a lot of Christians are ready for every good work. So I'll give you some examples how to start. Put your shopping cart away, right? You pull into a parking spot, and what do you see? Somebody's lifted it up on the little curb thing. Put it away for somebody else. Okay, pick up your neighbor's trash can that the wind blew down the block. Be ready. Get up every morning and say, Lord, I want to do something good today. Now, I got to tell you, your kindness boxes, kindness gift, kit, that's a great idea. I would think that everybody in this room is going to do that maybe once or twice, and, and you're going to keep a couple and you're going to give them away as you can. You're going to do something. You're going to be ready for every good work. Why? Because God is working through that. And you're going to do it with your neighbors on the off chance that at some point you're going to have a conversation that really matters with them, and they're going to ask you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Right? First Peter 3. If we're not doing good things, or if we're not winsome, or if we're the people that walk in the room and everybody goes, oh, no, not her, they're never going to ask us to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Now you're saying, okay, how do, how do I do this? How do I be set apart, useful to the master and ready for every good work? I'm glad you asked. 
The answer's in verse 22. Because he starts off with the word so. Okay? The Bible tells us what to think with the words that it uses. So if you, if you want to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ, chapter 2, verse 1, if you want to be like the, the uh, soldier and the athlete and the farmer, if you want to be a useful vessel to the master, what do you do? Three points. Flee, pursue, and whiff. The first thing is flee youthful passions. It, it really means just r r run away from those things that you know are sinful. Just run away. Uh, I was trying to figure out the years. 32 years or so ago, 35 years ago, I was the chaplain, uh, football chaplain, at Pacific Lutheran University, the winningest small college football program in the history of American football. Thank you very much. Pa the coach, Frosty Westering, is in the Hall of Fame. Great man of God. He said, we, we build men, and along the way, we win football games. And so I was there. We had 70 players. Probably 30 of them knew the Lord. Uh, Ten of them thought they did, and the rest didn't. And so I, I, was, I was in a different career back then. I was selling chocolate. It was really sweet. And I, had a, I made a lot of money, and I had a lot of time. And so I would go out to the college campus, university campus, every Thursday, all day, till about 9 o'clock at night, and I would meet with guys in half an hour segments. That's back in the, in the days of accountability. Remember, you'd go and you'd meet with someone, you'd ask them five questions, and the last one was, did you lie to me? And so I had these guys, and they'd come, and they'd meet, and guy that I remember very, very well, James Workman, he was a 240-pound linebacker that could really run, and he came, and I, he was going through the questions, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I read my Bible, I did my verse, okay? Uh, I went to church, but after we beat Linfield on Friday night, I was with my girlfriend, and oh, man, one thing led to another, and we were at her place, and, and pretty soon we were, you know, and then we did, you know, what we shouldn't have done, and oh, I feel horrible, and I know I have to tell you, David, and I, it hit me, I go, okay, James, let's say that the same situation was going on. Oh, what he told me was that I couldn't resist. There was a tractor beam. It was just, once we started, I just couldn't stop. And it just struck me. I said, okay, wait a minute. It, it, let's say that you're about to do the, you know, uh, you know you shouldn't. You're a believer. She claims to be a believer, and here you're going to fornicate, Right? And I come in and I say, James, if you put your clothes on and leave right now, I'll give you these 10 $100 bills. Because back in those days, that was a lot of money. And he goes, this is exactly, I can still see his face. He goes, no problem. I'm out of there. And I said, wait a minute. How come you just told me you, you couldn't resist it? And now all of a sudden you can. And then it hit us both, and I was able to say it. I said, you know what this shows? That the only way to overcome a passion for sin is with a greater passion for something else. And Paul already knew that. Look what he says in verse 22. So flee youthful passions and how? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. 
The way you say no to sin is to say yes to pursuing righteousness, to build a faith that says, you know, in any situation I'm in, I look down the road, uh, you know, two roads diverged in the yellow wood, I look down the road of obedience to Christ and it looks rough, it looks like it's no fun, it's not going to feel good, and, and, and you know what? I look down the road of sin, and man, it's beautiful. And guess what? It's, it's well protected. Nobody's going to know if I do this. And by the way, I've done it before, and it, it, it deadened my heart enough that I could do it again. The road of sin. And I tell people here in the Southern California, you guys understand this, Satan's in charge of that one, and he's the best set builder ever. And so what we do is we stand at that cross, uh, that fork in the road, and we say, am I going to have faith that what God has for me down the road of obedience is always better? And I, am, am I, or am I going to be an unbelieving believer and at this point say, no, I can go down the road of sin and it's, it's not going to be a problem. I want to tell you, every sin has a consequence. We just finished the life of David in our church. Every sin has a consequence. Even if you repent of it, there's a consequence. Even if the consequence is just that, kind of like a mosquito, sin has put its proboscis into your heart and deadened it and seared your conscience just that much more so that you can do it again. And so what we're learning is that I've got to build an overwhelming passion for righteousness, for faith, a, a faith that is going to say, Whatever God has for me through obedience is always better by far than what the sin or Satan or selfishness of the world can offer me. That's what we have to do. To pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So we run away from sin, we pursue righteousness, and then here's the big one, with those. You know, you know why you're here today? I hope you're not here for you. I hope you're here for God. You know there's a reason we call it a service? Huh? We don't call this, you know, um, a meeting, a committee. This is a service. It is your reasonable service to come and do what the song said. I'm opening up my heart to you. I'm on my knees with you, Lord. You are the one. I want to hear you. Be careful that you don't turn that around and say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I did you a favor. I walked in the door. He's saying back to you, no, I've done you a favor. I brought you into a group of people who you can live life with, who you can share Christ with, who you can study the Bible with and pray with, and who you can go help the homeless and give them away your, your kindness kits. I got it. Nice singing, by the way. Get involved in the people around you, and you will find that they will help you pursue righteousness. They will help you flee from sin. Well, that's what I wanted to give you. And what I'd like to do, uh, we do this at Grace, and I asked, um, I asked Kelly if we could do this. I'm going to give you a minute of quiet with some synthesizer music as the player is coming. I'm going to give you about a minute just to meditate, to reflect, to do business with God in whatever the Spirit of God is using the Word of God to do some work of God in your life. Can we do that? Okay, you get a head start. Start now, and then I'll close our time in prayer.
Great God and Father, you are the maker and sustainer of all things. You've granted us life, and you've also offered us and granted to us life anew in Jesus. Father, help us to be your church, individually and corporately. Help us to be the light and the salt. Help us to be those who have hope so that we might have influence through the gospel and through the lives that show it. I thank you for this group of people, Camarillo Community Church. Would you continue to use them mightily, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dr. Haig. Appreciate that message. So good morning. My name is Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at CAMCC. And you probably are aware of this, but yesterday was Veterans Day, November 11th. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we have plenty of veterans in our church family, and we'd like to say thank you to them. So um, first I want to start with our active duty and reserves, those that are actually serving uh, presently, those um, that began their first day of serving uh, became a veteran. And for those that are now serving active duty or uh, reservist, would you stand as I read or as I call out your service? U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Air Force, and U.S. No, I'll keep standing. Keep standing. And U.S. Space Force. So, you ladies and gentlemen are on the front lines. You are standing the watch. Whether that be close to home or far away, you are protecting us. You're guaranteeing that we can stand as a, as a nation and you're guaranteeing our freedom. And we as your church family wanna say thank you. We're here to help and serve you and your families. And um, we're just grateful that you have been willing to take up uh, the, the job, the duty of serving in ways that many people can't understand. And so we just want to say thank you. Let me pray over you guys. Lord God, thank you for those that are standing, those that uh, are part of our church family but aren't here because they're serving and they're far away maybe. In fact, Father, we pray for all those that are serving our country in one of these services. Father, we'd ask that you would be with them. Would you show your uh, presence in their lives to them? Would you protect them? Would you bring them home? Would you use them to serve uh, this country and to serve their neighbors and to serve uh, those that they are serving with as a child of God and a member of this family? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. 
If you are a veteran that have served and now are not on active duty or reservist, uh, we're going to ask that you stand and uh, when I call out the service, U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, uh, Coast Guard and U.S. Marines, Air Force, U.S. Air Force and U.S. Space Force. So you all have stood the watch and you have turned it over to those that are now on active duty. You have sacrificed. You have been far from home and you've been close to home. And you've gone through some things that um, is pretty difficult. Not just separation, but many of you have been in combat. Many of you have brought things home, physical, mental, emotional, that are difficult to deal with. And we just want to say we are with you, we support you, we love you. Thank you for serving this country and this church family and your community. Let me pray over you. Lord God, thank you for these men and women that are standing. And those men and women that were here on active duty and in the reserves and have moved on, that were part of our church family. Father, we ask that you'd be with them, you'd bless them, you would take care of the many things that they may have uh, still dealing with from their service. Father, would you use them to serve this community and serve your kingdom? And Father, would you just grant them peace? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. So as you've uh, heard already, just a reminder, this month, November, we have these kindness kits. And uh, you are, it's easy to pick up items that will go in it. Just a reminder that the last Sunday of, of this month, we will actually assemble them. After each service, we'll get together and put them all in bags. So be sure you uh, come. That would be a lot of fun. Also, um, right now is a good time to talk about uh, one form of worship that we do here. That's giving. We give back to God a portion of what he's given to us. It's a way to say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. It's a way to say, Lord, you are Lord. And we want to we wanna recognize that everything we have is from you. And so uh, if you'd like to do that, you can see the three ways to do that uh, this Sunday. In fact, it's probably every Sunday now. Um, you can do that. And we would encourage you um, to take advantage of being able to give back to God. Also, there's a lot of things coming up this month. You probably have heard of much of that, but there's a video that's coming up, and we will be able to look at all the things that are happening this month and even some of next month in December. So pay attention to the screen. Hey, Nathaniel Van Heerden here. What up, Camp CC? I'm the Young Adults Director. We meet every Tuesday night here at the church from 7 to 9 p.m. Come check us out. If you want more info on our YA ministry, you can email me at ya at campcc.net. If today is your first time with us, we are so glad you are here. If it's your second time, welcome back. If you're a first-time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. Fill out our connection card, take it to the welcome counter in the lobby, or scan the QR code with your phone's camera. Include your prayer requests on that card as well. If this is your second visit, 
Let us know and you'll get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. Online viewers, go to camcc.net slash next steps to go through the guest process. There are some pretty sweet things coming up at CamCC. Who will you invite? The month of November, Community Impact Kindness Kits. With our new initiative, we will be collecting items to assemble kindness kits for the homeless. Check out our Amazon wish list on the kindness kit card for the needed items you can bring any Sunday in November to the lobby, new and unopened. Then check this out. On November 26th, help us pack the kits right after each gathering. For more info, go to camcc.net slash impact. Tuesday, November 14th, worship night, 7 p.m. A time of prayer, scripture, and music. People are encountering Jesus on these dynamic nights. Grab some of these worship night cards in the lobby and start inviting friends and family to join you. In connection with worship night, kids grade K through fifth, get ready for neon worship night. Glow dough, games, popcorn, and worship. It's gonna be awesome, bring a friend. Birth through pre-K, come in your jammies, I know I'll be in mine, and enjoy PJs and popcorn. There is something for everyone. Food pantry turkeys. Help those in our city who may not have turkeys for Thanksgiving and bring a turkey before Friday, November 17th to the pantry before noon on Fridays or to church on Sundays. For more info, email meredith at camcc.net. Saturday, November 18th, Nature Walk and Play for Young Families, 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Come join us for a nature walk and free play at Camarillo Grove Park. For more info, email youngfamilies at camcc.net. Christmas is coming! Be on the lookout for December activities at CamCC soon. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to camcc.net. My name is Sam Stevenson. I'm the K-3 director. I'm also a military spouse. So again, I just want to thank all the veterans in our congregation um, for just serving, serving ahead of us. Okay, like the video said, we have a worship night coming up this week. And again, it's programming for everybody. We have early childhood popcorn and PJ party. I'll be with the kids at the neon night. It's a great, great time to invite that friend or neighbor that's been on your heart, your kid's new buddy from soccer. So grab some cards on the welcome desk out front and pass them out this week. Um, okay, what else was I going to say today? Um, now, as we gear up to head out for donuts, if you need prayer, please, we want to invite you down front. We have people here to pray with you. There's something so amazing about lifting our needs to the Lord together. Well, it's donut time. Let's head out to the patio for coffee and fellowship, and I'll see you back here on Tuesday.